This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Do you ever just find yourself living in a fog of doubt? I'm not talking about doubting your salvation, but that is a big issue with God's children. They hope they're saved, and when they think about dying, sometimes they think, I think that I'm saved, but there's some doubts. But I'm talking about just doubting life in general. Having this feeling, I just don't think things are going to get better. And uh, there's been some times in the last two years because of the pandemic that I have had some feelings like that where I thought, you know, things just may not get better. But then God always reminds me by His Holy Spirit, my word already tells you everything you need to know about your life here on this earth. Not only that, it tells me everything that happened in the past since Adam and Eve forward. And it tells me even the future. How long I'm going to live, I do not know, but the Bible says that God has my days numbered. He ordained when I would be born. He ordained when I will pass from this life to the next. But sometimes I get so caught up looking with what's happening in the world today, and I find myself feeling a sense of doubt as, will things get better? But see, I'm thinking in time only and not standing back and looking at everything from the eternal, which is the wise thing to do. Whether things get better or worse, God is absolutely still in control. And so when I feel myself doubting whether things will get better, especially when I think about my daughter who will be going off to college next year, and I see this one world government emerging across our nation, and I wish that it wouldn't, but the Bible says that that is what's going to happen in the last days. We'll all be controlled by a few people, and that's what's happening in our day. But at the same time, I have to stand back and say, even when Jesus died on the cross, God the Father already knew exactly what it would be like in 2022. And if that's a what He's allowed, maybe to get our attention, to reassess, well then instead of doubting Him or worrying, I just need to say, I'm going to walk with God until He calls me home. Amen? And the title of this message is Abiding Above Doubt. Abiding above doubt, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to John chapter 20. I'm going to be looking at verses 19 through 29 as we think about this subject of doubt. All of us have heard since we were little children a man in the Scriptures named Doubting Thomas. You see, we are in the Bible Belt. We may not have lived the best life, but we do remember the stories we heard when we were a child. All of us know about doubting Thomas. And so we're going to be looking at an event in his life. So first of all, I want to read an exchange that Thomas, who we know is doubting Thomas, he had an exchange with Jesus. And I want to read that. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 is where I want to start. And then we'll eventually get to John chapter 20. This is what Jesus said. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare 
a place for you. I will come again. Not I might. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, where is Jesus? The Bible says when he ascended from the Mount of Olives, Jesus, after his resurrection, he ascended to heaven, and the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so he's saying this, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. But then someone said something, and I would say that Thomas's body language looked like a man who was doubting. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, how do I get to heaven when I die? Through the cross of Jesus Christ, plus nothing. There is no other way. You may have been taught something different, but you've been taught a lie. The only way for a person to get from here to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, don't put that off. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a lot of disease. It happens quickly. It spreads quickly. My friend, listen, I would not go a minute if I wasn't sure of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I wasn't sure about a home in heaven, I would spend the rest of this day trying to find answers about how can I get to heaven. And Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, flip forward in your Bible to John chapter 20. I want to read verses uh, 19 through 29. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Jesus told Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now Jesus Christ has died, been buried, and he's raised. And he appears in front of the disciples. He just appears. He didn't come through a door. He just appears. And then he looks at them and he says, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, and they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. He didn't hear this exchange. The other disciples therefore said to him, they said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He had been with Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He watched Jesus raise people from the dead. He had seen the miracles that Jesus did. 
And now he's saying, I do not believe you unless I see his hands and the nail prints. Doubting Thomas. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Doubting Thomas now acknowledges that God is divine, Jesus is God, and he is alive after having been crucified on the cross. So number one, why do God's children doubt? Why do we find ourselves doubting sometimes, like doubting Thomas? I need more and more proof. What about having childlike trust? Why do we doubt? For years. Remember, this can be doubting your salvation or doubting God's will that he'll take care of you in life. Maybe you're going through a trial and you're doubting the goodness of God. How do you say God's good and I'm going through a trial that I don't understand? Just like Thomas. Thomas chose to doubt Jesus. So we do the same thing. When we're doubting, it's because we're choosing to reject clear evidence. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. You see that in verse 25. So Thomas was rejecting the clear evidence that came from 10 disciples. They were in agreement. We've seen him. He's alive, Thomas. And he says, I will not believe. He was doubting. As God's children, we have clear evidence from the testimony of God's word as to the way of salvation and God's purpose for us here on earth. As God's children, we have the witness of the Holy Spirit that has been shed abroad in our hearts. So, when we find ourselves doubting, we're choosing to reject clear evidence. But not only that, sometimes the reason we're struggling with doubt is because we simply are ignorant of God's Word. Thomas either did not know or had forgotten that Jesus had promised that he was going to die, but he said three days later, I'm going to be raised up. And either he forgot or he just said, I will not believe. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. He had already told them that. I don't think Thomas forgot what he said, because that's pretty dramatic. I'm going to die, and on the third day I'll be raised. I think Thomas was just a doubter. And so, a third thing is this. You say, why do God's children doubt? They choose to reject clear evidence. They're ignorant of God's word, and they forget God's power. Thomas had watched people be raised from the dead. I've already mentioned that. He watched many of his miracles. People were thronging around Jesus, hoping he would do a miracle. They just wanted to watch. As children of God, we have watched over and over again the miracle of salvation in people around us, in our families and friends. We have watched their lives change right before our eyes. There's nothing more beautiful than to see someone lost without Christ, and then they believe and receive Christ, and then you begin to notice a change in their life. It's something that makes people want to find what they found. Another reason we doubt 
is we simply rely on our five senses. What did Thomas say in verse 25? He said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, he said, I will not believe. Many people erroneously believe that my mind is the highest authority. No, it's not. God is the highest authority, and we're to put our childlike trust in the highest authority who's God. You say, what is faith? Faith trusts the word of the one making the promise, who is God. You say, what is doubt? Doubt is I will not trust anyone but myself. You know what? You can be wrong. In other words, if you're putting your trust only in yourself, you might be wrong. Don't put your trust in yourself, my friend. Put your trust in God and His Word. So if you find yourself doubting, struggling, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope God's going to take care of me through this trial. What it is, you may be used to trusting in yourself. And when you fail, you get to the point where I don't trust myself. Well, if you've been trusting in yourself and now you don't trust in yourself, what are you trusting? You're trusting in your five senses. You're trusting in yourself. And it causes you to doubt just like Thomas. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The believer, just like the unbeliever, will doubt when he leaves God and God's revelation of himself out of the equation. So, you may have a few years where you really walk by faith and trust in God, and you tell everybody, I can't believe what God's doing in my life. Well, then you may enter into a season of not sensing that intimacy with God, and you find yourself beginning to doubt. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says this, And I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? When we choose not to spend time in God's Word, where we need to be putting our childlike faith to walk by faith every day, if we choose not to spend time in God's Word. Spend time listening to God. There's only one other place you can put your faith, and it's in human beings who are not always faithful, including yourself and myself. We're not always faithful. God is always faithful. We need to put our trust in an all-time faithful God because humans do good one day and do bad one day. They're up and down. There's only one thing that we have this rock solid, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand everything. Sometimes I feel like I'm doubting, but ultimately I believe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just simply choose to believe.
Second thing is this. We've talked about the fact of the reason God's children doubt. They choose to reject clear evidence. They are ignorant of God's Word. They forget God's power. They rely on their five senses. Second thing is this. Okay, that's where I am. I'm up and down just like Thomas. Some days I'm on fire for God, and some days I'm not. I'm just up and down, always seeking signs, seeking proof. It's because you're relying more on yourself than on the indwelling Holy Spirit. So you say, okay, give me the answer to this, because I'm like Thomas. I struggle with what I hear you teach. I just doubt I'm like Thomas. Second thing is this, how to abide above doubt. You say, how do I rest in the Lord Jesus Christ when I'm doubting? Notice, Jesus did not scold Thomas or try to embarrass him in front of all the other disciples. He didn't do that. Jesus simply presented himself. He said, look at me. You will find the answers to abiding above doubt in the way that Thomas responded to Jesus. Look again at verses 26 through 29 of John 20. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. This time, Thomas was with them. Remember, he had told the ten, I don't believe you unless I see him, unless I touch him. Now, Jesus appears again this time, doubting Thomas is with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. That means it would be like Jesus just appearing in this room, not coming through a door. He didn't need to. He's spirit. And he stood in the midst of them, and he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, and I believe when he looked at doubting Thomas, I believe the look on his face was agape love. I don't believe he was angry at Thomas because how do you anger an all-knowing God? He knew Thomas would doubt him before Thomas was ever born. He knew it. There's nothing God can't know. And so he singled him out, and this would have been in front of the other disciples who Thomas disbelieved. And he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. You see how simple that is? God, Jesus is God. He says, do not be unbelieving, Thomas. Be believing. So simple. Do not not have faith in me, Thomas. Have faith in me. Because listen, if you're not believing and walking in faith with Jesus, by default, you're walking and believing in yourself. And how's that working out for you? Not good. We all have good days and bad days. Look, I'm either putting my weight on Jesus, or immediately I'm putting my weight on myself. And when we go like this for a long period of time, it wearies us, and we're going to be doubting. And that's what Thomas was doing. It even affected his relationships with the other disciples. He was simply doubting. He said, Thomas, 
Look at me. I am the evidence. Put your faith in me. Thomas, quit putting your faith in yourself. Because you know why, Thomas? When you put your faith in yourself, because you know yourself, you doubt. Why do we doubt? Because we're putting our faith in ourselves. Well, if we put our faith in ourselves, and I know myself, I'm going to really doubt because I know how I am. Up one day, down the next. So, he says, Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. He believed right then. He transferred his faith in himself, which is up and down and causes him to be doubting Thomas, to my Lord and my God. That's what makes doubt go away. Where do you put your trust? In verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he says this about all of us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and I have never seen Jesus physically, but we believed in him. Thomas doubted him, though he was walking with him physically. You know what I think? I think you and I would have struggled with doubt. I think Satan thinks God's weakness is his love. I think that the disciples struggle with doubt and faith because Jesus was humble and he loved. And they may have seen it as a weakness. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's putting our faith where God has put our sin on Jesus. Jesus said, look at me and believe. And then Thomas said, my Lord. You say, what does that mean? That means you are the one who has the right to be obeyed. You are the one who has the right to be followed. My Lord, end of story. I'm putting my faith in my Lord. And then what did he say? Not only did he say, my Lord, he said, my God. You say, what does that mean? You are the one to be believed. You are the one to be trusted. My Lord, my God. End of story. Thomas stopped doubting. He believed in his Lord and his God. He put his trust away from Thomas and put his trust on the Lord, his God. How do you abide above doubting? By putting your trust on the Lord, your God, and not on yourself. That's basically our answer here. Notice, Thomas now had the same faith he had heard and seen in the disciples. Because you see, in verse 25, they had said about themselves, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Now Thomas is saying, my Lord, my God. Now he's saying, I see, I believe. We have seen the Lord. And so this is the answer to doubt. This is how to abide above doubt. 
When we doubt, we must remember, my Lord, my God. And this clear evidence is the Word of God. He is both Lord and God for you and for all eternity. Someone once said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Someone else has said this, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Amen? You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.